and welcome to Jeanette's TV and podcast. I'm your host, Jeanette Burke. And today we're talking with two Canadian comedic actresses from the show New Eden, which is on Crave. We're going to be welcoming Kayla Lorette and Ebony Rose in just one moment. But before we do, I got a little house cleaning to, to take care of, um, which is we do have a Patreon channel. And we would love for you to support us there as we continue to bring you the best content we can throughout this pandemic. And it's somewhat challenging. Uh, no donation is too big or too small. You can find out more in the description. We'll have the link to join there. And we also have another way you can support us. And that's with Jeanette's TV and podcast merchandise. We offer t-shirts like this with the JTV logo and tagline. But we also have them with the inspirational sayings made by me and my guests in previous episodes. Now to order, you, all you have to do is go to www.jeanetteburke.com slash shop. And again, this will pop up on the screen uh, to order. And your order can be a t-shirt or a sweatshirt. You pick the color and the size that you want and we ship it to you. It includes tax. It's very convenient. Again, you can find out more in the links with the descriptions below. And if you haven't already done so, please subscribe to the YouTube channel and tell all your friends and family about us and have them subscribe too. Now back to today's interview. Welcome to Jeanette's TV, Kayla Lorette, and Ebony Rosen from the show New Eden on Crave. Hello ladies and welcome to Jeanette's TV. Hi, thanks for having us. Thank you indeed. Okay, great. So I'm happy to have you here and I'm very much a supporter of uh, Canadian talent. So let's talk a little bit about the show. It's a very interesting show. It's uh, it's called a mockumentary, which is in itself is very interesting. Um, could you explain how the both of you who are basically, you know, really well known in the comedic kind of realm, decided to create a show that's a mockumentary, and, and what does that really mean? But go ahead, you guys can take a stab at it. <laughs> Kayla, kick us off. I'll kick us off. Uh, yeah, Ebony and I have, have known each other through the comedy community for a long time, and we wanted to create and pitch a TV show together. Just, we were darling friends that had never made a project together, and we basically were talking about just areas of interest we had, and we both share a, a deep interest in true crime and and true crime documentary, as well as more specifically like cults, which is what new eden centers around and so from that that was just a jumping off point for us to start creating this world and you know we decided to make it a mockumentary because we thought it would be interesting to kind of present this story as if it were fact this is something that it happened even though it did not and it was just interesting to us to uh to use the the lenses of a, of a fake documentary to tell the stories of these women Right. So let's just add a little more context to, to what the show is all about, because we have people watching who may not know about it. So basically, it's a show about a cult uh, that embraces women and women's issues. But 
things kind of go into a darker place. There is a murder involved and the cult kind of becomes uh, more of a murderous place. And the two main leaders played by yourself. So Ebony Rosen plays Grace Lee. Kayla Lorette plays uh, Catherine Ring. What's, sorry, I can't remember the last, the name, the last name of the- Whitfield. Whitfield, thank you. So she, the two leaders of the cult, it starts out, you know, they're very much embracing female identity, female issues, being all supportive, and it goes dark and it becomes more, more about murder. And the two cult leaders here wind up in jail. And so we're, and, and actually throughout the episodes, you see like flashbacks. And I, I understand that you were actually able to incorporate um, news clippings and uh, court cases and what have you. I don't know if they're all factual from the 1970s in British Columbia into the show. And so uh, I guess, you know, I just, I kind of wanted to know why you decided to make it dark like that or to put that murder part into like a feminine cult type of storyline. Well, I, I think as Kayla said, when we when we sat down to start coming up with the show, you know, we we both have such a deep interest in um, in true crime documentaries in general, which was sort of the genre we wanted to uh, make into fiction and into a comedy. Um, and also, you know, particularly uh, cults were very interesting to us, which is a great place to set a murder, of course, because that happens a lot. Um, so we were approaching it always from kind of the idea of the crime first. So, and, and what we really wanted to do with this, you know, we've seen mockumentaries about true crime where the joke of it is kind of that the stakes of the crime aren't very high, but they're treated like they're being a really serious crime. What mm -hmm. we wanted to do here was create an actual really solid murder mystery story, but have the comedy kind of come from the characters and how they react to it. So mm -hmm. what we started with was kind of the murder narrative and, you know, figuring out who'd, who done it and where all the bodies were. And then from there, we started to build out the world of these women, which starts as this sort of feminist commune. And once someone dies, they sort of introduce this religious ideology and turn it into a cult to kind of shore up the support of their members. Um, so was there, was there a reason though that you wanted to keep it like an all female cult? Did you want to attack some kind of women's issues? Cause it could have just as easily been a mockumentary with a murder in a non-female, like a mixed sex cult, right? Like we see happening in the news quite often. So was there a reason why you wanted to put that female angle to it? What was that reason? I think the reason was that that as you said most often the the victims of these crimes are women and the, per the perpetrators are men and so we were asking ourselves like what would the story be if the if the two women at the center of this crime were were women and what does that mean and how does that change the story um it was interesting to us to explore what kind of evil looks like when it's inside female characters because females are often portrayed as you know they can do it all or they're soft or female friendship and all of this and it was more interesting to us to explore the darker edges of female characters and not just do the same story again where it's like a male cult leader tricks all the women and he commits a mm -hmm. crime we wanted to see something a little different but interestingly enough uh in the last few years there's been more in the news about the downside of women and you know women killing women uh, ca uh you know hurting each other setting each other on fire 
different things like that. You know, there's been a lot of news stories about that on 2020 and 48 hours. So did that impact you at all either, learning about these type of things? To add into the show or no? Well, I certainly hope our show wasn't wasn't the impetus of any of them <laughs> by any means. Um, I think certainly we looked at you know examples of female killers um, who you know who are it's a smaller group but a very interesting group to look at, um, and certainly some of the basis of how we built these characters were based on that. But for us, what we really wanted to explore, like Kayla said, was this kind of cult leader type that we've seen so many times, almost always men, although there are a few exceptions. And we wanted to take those personality traits and kind of parse them out between these two characters whose own dysfunctional relationship kind of cause, turns them into this monster. And we maybe wonder if they'd never have met if the monster ever would have been born. So that was sort of where we were coming at it. We were mapping some male traits onto a female narrative and then seeing how that changed it. And how do the two of you feel about your characters? Like, what do your characters mean to you? Well, it was very fun to get to write characters that we knew that we would be playing ourselves. This was such a fun area for us to create within. Um, I think we, we both have complicated feelings about our characters because they're both quite flawed. I personally, Catherine, the character I play is quite a... I mean, she's kind of a, a, a bossy loser. She's kind of doesn't have a lot of friends. She's quite cruel. She's uh, she's petty. She's uh, manipulative, um, and kind of doesn't doesn't have a lot of like good social skills. So personally, I found it just very refreshing to play this kind of female character, because again, we don't get a lot of opportunities to play very flawed flawed females. So I found it very exciting and, and very fun. And what about yeah, you, Ebony? Yeah, we certainly had a wonderful time building these. Uh, yeah, we certainly had a wonderful time kind of building these characters, knowing we were going to get to play them, knowing we could play to our strengths. Um, so for me, I, yeah, I think we always, we always knew going in that Grace was sort of the more uh, likable of the two, which is what allowed them to kind of hide Catherine's bossiness from these <laughs> from these women. But ultimately, you know, no spoilers, but Grace turns out to be, you know more deeply flawed at a, you know, at a much deeper and criminal level. Um, so it was fun for me to really get to play the dichotomy of someone that seems kind of like a fool, kind of like a clown, kind of like this folksy yokel, but knowing, you know, what the subtext of the character was and what was coming in the story and to kind of have this dark energy simmering underneath, like what is a very kind of stupid, goofy character. So that was really fun to play with. And it sounds like a lot of fun. Um, now, to people who haven't seen the show, what would you say to them, you know, why they should watch the show? Well, it's very good. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're in for a ride. You're in for a ride. I think... A, a what would hook them? Is... What is the big hook here to get, you know, started from episode one to, to episode eight? There's only been one season so far on Crave. Uh, is there is there a second season in the making? We don't know yet, but I think one what we hope to do it one day. I think one thing that's an interesting hook hook is that the show is in itself an anthology. So the first season tells a complete story, like it's it's, uh, and if we get a second season, it'll be a brand new story with a brand new crime. So uh, in watching the show, you'll get to know everything, and there's a very satisfying, surprising end. And if you're a fan of true crime, if you're a fan of of documentary if you're a fan of comedy like i just think that there's a there's a lot for everyone it checks now, a lot of boxes go ahead sorry go ahead ebony what were you saying 
Oh, I was just adding on that that it checks a lot of boxes, like Kayla was saying. So there's a lot. Um, and and what one thing we really like about it too is that while it, it's very funny, it's a comedy, and we have such incredible performance, comedic performances in the show. You really are also investing in a murder mystery, uh, which is you know a whole other genre to enjoy. And you really get to wonder who did it, and you get to find out, and it's a big reveal. So there's a lot of fun to be had, kind of as a two-way street watching the show. Yeah, I actually also love murder mysteries and I was a big Agatha Christie fan and I used mm. to love in summertime, um, particularly like the PBS, they would have a connection to English shows that I absolutely love, like Murder, She, um, well, Murder, She Wrote was American actually, but um, Agatha Christie and uh, Midsummer Murders, you know, mm -hmm. I used to love to watch these things, um, which you don't get an, an awful lot of choice in um, these murder mystery type shows to pick from, even not even on Netflix. I mean, there's the odd one, but it, it seems to be sort of like this type of a show is not well, like there's not a ton of them to choose from. You know, so that like that, that, that could be a compelling hook to really get people to watch. I think that's a good idea. Now, recently, the two of you were nominated for a Canadian award, a comedy award for this show. And uh, would you like to talk to me a little bit about that? That must have felt really nice to be recognized in that sort of way after putting time and effort into creating this. Yeah, we were nominated yeah. for, for a, a writer, a WGC award for our script, uh, for one of our scripts. And Ebony and I wrote all the scripts together. So it was nice to be nominated for that. And and, uh, and yeah, we were really proud of how the scripts <laughs> came out. So this was lovely. Anytime you get some acknowledgement like that, it feels really good. Indeed. So going back to the actual creative process of bringing this show together, um, can you talk to me a little bit about what was involved? I believe you, it was, you know, like a how many year period and what's involved with actually creating a show, um, not just from the scripts, but like the whole process of taking it from a concept and then selling it to a network. It's a long process, especially, uh, you know, here in Canada, it can be quite, it can be a multi-year process, which this was for us. So pretty early on, uh, we hooked up with Peacock Alley, who's the production company, and Carrie Mudd there, uh, who we love. So sh she, you know, already knew she wanted a show from us. And in fact, Kayla and I had an improv show that we were doing called Network Notes, um, where we play these kind of dragon lady network women. Um, who critique uh, made up movie ideas. And originally, you know, we, got, we had a lot of attention and success from that. So Carrie approached us to see if we could turn that into a show. And it was just so clearly an improv show. It just didn't have legs as a scripted series. So Kayla and I did what we always do, which was then, of course, turn around and make the most complicated show we could have possibly made um, instead <laughs> of this simple premise. Uh, but Carrie was on board from the start, which was so great. And, you know, typically what you do when you're pitching a show is you write what's called like a pitch deck or a pitch document, which is kind of an overview of the series, a sense of the characters, whatever. But because this show was so hyper narrative and such a complex format that hadn't really been done in the context we were doing it, we agreed with her that we would write what's called a pitching pilot, which isn't as common, but it really made sense for this show. So mm -hmm. we wrote the pilot before we had the network on board, uh, just mm -hmm. with Peacock. And then we took that to the network and, you know, pitched them a show and talked to them about the show and left them with the script. Uh, and that was enough for them to get excited about it uh, and, and buy in for development money, at which point we got a room and we started writing more scripts. And somewhere in there, the show got fully greenlit. Um, and then, you know and then you carry on from there. Yeah. So that that's uh 
very interesting and long process. I trust then that both of you, or at least one of you, had studied writing as part of your um, training to be an actress. Is that is that something you study? So you know, like you were saying, you have to have this pitch and you have to have this uh, framework. How, how do you know all about this stuff? Did, is this part of what you learned when you were studying to be an actress? Or did you study writing as well? No, we studied neither. Yeah, we studied uh, neither. <laughs> oh, you're just you just became actors and 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 comedians without any true formal training in it. Yeah, it was a lot of our both of us have training. Kind of just you know we we came out of training in live comedy, so a lot of that was just you know on a stage in front of an audience and things like the process of pitching a show. You just kind of learn over the years and you learn from trying it. You know, we've both pitched shows. We've both been in development deals. Ebony's created a show when she was quite young with her uh, sketch troupe. So she had gone through that whole process before as well. So it's something we were familiar with, but every show is unique. So it it kind of, it has its own little path it'll go on. And like Ebony was saying, you know, this show kind of required us to write that pilot first. And so we figured it out. And even that pilot was quite a different one from most traditional scripts because it was a mockumentary and we were kind of making a whole new format for how to write that script. So, you know, of course, training is always good, but you just have to kind of go with what the project requires. And sometimes no training will have you prepared for that. And I don't think any training would have had us prepared for what New Eden became as a process because it was a very unique show to both of us. Mm -hmm. Now, so let's talk a little bit about being talent in Canada versus in the U.S. and some of the opportunities that have come up for you or not come up for you and would it be easier in some ways if if you were in the U.S.? It's always a complicated question because obviously you know there's the volume of work being made in, in the United States is just so much so much bigger than than how much we make here the population is so much bigger you know there's so many factors to that i think an advantage of cutting your teeth here in canada as they say is that it's a smaller talent pool it's a smaller community uh you know more people but then you also have to you know you have to really work hard to rise to the cream of that crop so i think what happens is a lot of canadians who have worked here for a decade or more go to the united states and discover that they are much better when I say trained, I don't mean necessarily that they've gone to school for it, but trained just on, you know, on the job uh, when they get there, because that's sort of more the process here. Mm -hmm. So there really is an opportunity here to really, really hone your craft because you're not in just such a massive sea where you might not get the opportunities you need to get better and to get that training. Mm -hmm. So speaking of opportunities in Canada, I mean, you know, um, I know that they've allowed filming from the U.S. to continue throughout COVID here in Toronto and Vancouver, and quite a lot of it, actually. And so how does that like impact you or does it as a can as Canadian uh, pool of talent um, when they're bringing, I guess they're bringing Americans in, at least from the production side, if they're bringing American um, talent in as well, do they have to you know, have a certain percentage of Canadian talent represented too. Does this increase your chances for getting roles or how does it all work? I think, it, it, I mean, it would depend on the production, but a lot of the reasons sometimes these American productions come up here is because of certain tax credits or advantages they would get. And that then requires a percentage of Canadian talent being used. But this kind of depends on the production. I think there just being more things created here is positive. 
you know, we only have really two big networks that are producing Canadian things consistently. So it's nice that there's just more opportunity for people to book roles or, you know, potentially write for these productions. It's, it's I think it's generally a good thing. Well, Kayla, you just got back from um, Sault Ste. Marie. What were you working on there? I was in Sudbury. And oh, I sorry, doing, Sudbury. Uh, just a, Sudbury. Yes, up north. But it was, yeah, it was, it was for actually just a few days on a another Crave original, the only other Crave original other than our show, which is called Letter Kenny, which is a great show. Um, yeah, and I just went up to be like a day player for a few days. So you nice. were doing a guest starring yeah. role on that show in one of their episodes? Yeah, got to play at a wedding. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> and Ebony, what what projects have you been up to lately? So I'm so Kayla and I both have experience on the writing side and the acting side. But Kayla uh, is just such a talented actress, as you'll see when you watch the show, and has um, so much experience there. I I was really stepping out off the deep end for myself in New Eden as an actor because mostly my career is as a writer. Um, so right now I'm working on a few projects in development uh, that I'm sort of spearheading. Um, but because of the slowdown of the pandemic, there's um, you know, a lot of things are slower right now. So there's a lot of shows that are at the that development level we talked about where there's a producer attached and we're putting together materials uh, and taking the shows out for sale, but it's taking, you know, it just takes time. So it's a lot of, it's a lot of blue skying work right now. It's a lot of development. It's a lot of different kind of shows to think about it and, uh, and writing at that stage, which is always very fun. You said you were predominantly a writer. How hard is it to sort of go from being a writer to step into being an actress on stage in front of a camera? Is, uh, is it at all nerve wracking for you or you just do it? Cause you're, you're like naturally born to do this type of things. <laughs> I mean, it's certainly uh, always a little bit nerve wracking and it certainly depends on the on the size of the audience and the size of the project. I still, I did start, you know, like uh, as Kayla said, uh, both of us started in improv and doing live comedy and doing standup. So I've always had, you know, for, for a long time now, you know, the, the comfort and experience uh, with getting on stage. But with New England, for example, you know, because I haven't done as much um, television acting that was the long you know I had never played a character for that long it was often like a little guest star role or a sketch comedy which I've done a lot of and I, I wrote and, and performed on Baroness fun sketch for many years uh, so this was a whole new uh, arena for me to really play a character for a sustained amount of time but um, fortunately I had the best coach in the world kill Lorette so <laughs> I, was, I think I was able to pull it off oh and well that's interesting <laughs> so now what do you dream like your dream role in uh if you, you know, we're going to have a, like an opportunity to pick your very next big feature or next big series, what would your dream roles be? What would you guys choose to do or what would you like to do that you haven't done in your, in your career so far? I think for myself, I would love to go through an experience like we had on New Eden again, which, you know, would be kind of creating a character from the ground up, creating a world from the ground up. I think writing your own work to perform is so exciting. So really an opportunity to do that again would be the dream thing because you can, you can add so much detail to the character and really get to express ideas like big complex ideas. So I, I hope moving forward in my career that that kind of creator, performer, writer position is, is something that happens again and again. And what about you, Ebony? I just want to play King Lear. 
<laughs> Just kidding. Um, <laughs> I'd be great, I think. I keep getting Christopher Plummer types, but I really think I have the face for it. Um, no, I, I totally agree with Kayla. There's nothing um, kind of more fulfilling. I think because because we are both, you know, writer performers, and that's our you know our background coming into to this, uh, and and not just pure you know aud you know audition actors, but really have been creating our own work for a long time. Uh, the the joy and satisfaction of of really creating a character and getting to fully create their psychology from the ground up and everything about them and their backstory beyond just what's given to you on the page um, is so exciting. So I think the opportunity to do that again. And you know, one thing Kayla and I really talk about a lot that we both love to do and part of the reason why we created these characters for New Eden is to play kind of complicated or difficult women, nuanced women, flawed women. This is like something we don't always see written enough uh, in mm -hmm. television. Um, and that's something we both really like to do. So to be able to continue to explore those kinds of characters and the relationships between those kinds of characters together is I think our greatest ambition uh, always. Mm -hmm. And what advice would you both have to a, a young aspiring Canadian actor who may be watching this interview about getting going in the business, even in, in Canada, like, you know, staying in Canada or not staying in Canada, What what advice would you give them to just get going? I guess, you know, there's so many paths to success and to it being able to express yourself. So I think, you know, it's hard to say. I, I say like, you know, don't think that you have to follow something, you know, to the letter that you've seen other people do. Kind of follow your own instincts, your own taste, your own sense of, of what you enjoy. I mean, for me, I started doing improv and, and that, you know, led me down this road, but it's a totally different skill set than show running a show. Um, so I would say, yeah, just be aware of your own your own taste and what brings you joy and, and constantly be checking in with those things. And I don't know, know that the path might differ from those you meet, but no path is incorrect unless it takes mm -hmm. you away from being creative, I guess. <laughs> mm -hmm. And Ebony, and do you have anything to add to that? Oh, any, any further advice to give? Mm -hmm. um, well, certainly, I mean, uh, from a writing standpoint, I would say that, um, yeah, similarly, it's really important to really explore and know your tastes. I think especially if, if there's anyone watching who wants to get into to comedy, comedic writing, comedic acting, you know, it's really important to perform, even if that's scary for you, even if it's just an exercise and that's not your ultimate ambition. It really helps to learn your taste, learn your craft, learn where you kind of what you gravitate towards and the types of minds you gravitate towards as well. Um, as you encounter other performers. Uh, so I think it's really important to be a bit of a jack of all trades and kind of explore all the possibilities. And then later you get to kind of narrow the, the track of where you really wanna go. Um, but be open to anything I would say early on. And a big okay. thing I would say that has always helped me, which is I have with Ebony is like, if you find someone you feel like you can collaborate with, if there's someone you feel a connection with, with your ideas, make work with other people. Like that kind of thing, it's it's so it's so fulfilling. You'll learn so much about yourself and those partnerships will last you for a lifetime, well, hopefully. That sounds pretty solid, sage advice, ladies. And you know, the, what you said, it's, it's applicable for those wanting to be in the world of acting and writing, but it's also applicable for those who 
want to start a business or want to pursue something of their own and build a career that way too. So thank you for sharing that. Um, so just to close off, uh, where, where can we find out more about you and where can we learn more about the show? I know it's on Crave. Is it showing anywhere else? Currently, it's just on Crave. So we, we hope that if you're listening, you have a Crave subscription. And if you don't, just get one. It, the show's mm -hmm. worth it. I think you can get a free month at the beginning. Yeah, so get a free month. Get uh, on it. And so, Nancy and I are on social media, but we're terrible at social media. So you're not going to get really a lot of information there. But uh, <laughs> you can go look at old posts of our yeah. friends. Yeah, Google us. You'll find some stuff. Exactly. <laughs> so we actually have some links to share in the bottom of how to find you on Crave and how to find you on social media. Um, congratulations on your success here. And I, I hope that you'll continue to do this type of work and showcase women in different ways, not always the most pretty way, but a way that needs to be done. So thank you for taking that on. I think that more of that needs to be done. And, uh, thank you so much for being with me here today as my guest and to my audience. I want to thank you also for being here today. Um, this is Jeanette Burke, your host, signing off. Please remember to like, comment, and share all our posts and episodes with your family and friends. You will find us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Vimeo, YouTube, Clubhouse. You name it, we're there. Hashtag Jeanette's TV and podcast. And until next time, continue to be fabulous.